What's up, kid? What up, what up? What up? Yo, thank you for going on. And this is episode 122 of the Carrying the Culture Show. Someone asked what CTC was. That is what yeah, it I is. That. We got fucking super producer. You produce for God, my grandmother, everybody, yo. <laughs> uh, New York is fucking building. Yes, sir. Domingo, salute, man. Long time veteran. Paid your dues. And, salute, uh, bro. Thank you. Yeah, you, you made your mark in this shit. And so I'm, I'm, thank you for rocking with us, man. I really appreciate you. Nah, I appreciate you inviting me, bro. No, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to it. We kind of initially vibed on some bullshit <laughs> on the page. That's <laughs> all I love. I respect what you've done and everything and, and uh, all the work you put in, man. So um, I'm excited about this one. What up, no, what up? No doubt. So, so here's the thing, man. You, I, I usually start with, like, history and shit. Right. Because I like the, like background. But you just posted some shit about a half hour ago that really, uh -huh. really stuck out for me and i'm gonna read this shit rappers i have taught bloods bloods and crips in west orange new jersey music production and recording right i produced cool g last album and worked out a distribution partnership with media famous and symphonic distribution but i still see the same artists complaining about no one supporting their music do like myself and many others do make moves and not excuse not excuse you know, this this share on that because this thing i've said that numerous times but i'm i'm not i'm not a an artist so coming from me it doesn't carry as much juice as, as coming from you but like this what, what go into that a little bit man because i just want to hear you speak on that i mean i said it because i see like all these artists are always like oh, I'm, I, you know i put out my music and nobody listens to it nobody supports it nobody so it's like you gotta move i mean i mean it's me you gotta move in silence you know what i'm saying let the work speak for itself listen there's people that don't listen to me. You never hear me say, oh, I'm not getting no support. I'm not, man, fuck all that. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. Make the moves. And, and eventually the moves will catch up with everything. And either people are going to notice you or they're not. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. it's like, because people, people are under this perception with me that they don't see me out there. I'm not doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, I move in complete silence. You know what I'm saying? And, and and I don't ever project what I'm doing because, you know, there's people out there that smile on your face but wish you bad when you walk away. Sure. You know <laughs> so, you know, and it's like, so, yeah, make moves, not excuses. Just it, it's not an excuse of people not supporting you. You know, you'll find people support you. Just make the moves. Right, right. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that, man, because I say that all the time. People, I see memes all the time. People about not support People are so worried about who's not supporting them and not fucking with the people who do. Like, right. spend energy on, like, like you can get a, a person, an artist now can get a solid fan base. My, my, I know people that do it. They're not well-known, but they're eating because they have a solid fan base and they fuck with them. <laughs> you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. so and, and, you know, a, a good artist will find a fan base, you know? There it is. I you know? And, and and I deal, you know, as you know, I got Media Famous Distribution, which I just partnered with Symphonic, but I was just telling somebody like yesterday, I said, here's your problem. These artists drop music and right away they think they're superstars. So it's like you drop it on Spotify. They don't know you got to market stuff. They don't know you got to push it. They drop it and they want to talk to you like they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And you're like, dude, you're trash. You know what I'm saying? Just... 
one song on Spotify don't mean your life just changed. Right, right. Everybody can put out an album now. My grandson can put out an album. I mean, you can put out an album <laughs> on our phone, yeah. art, and, and get it on DistroKid, all in the, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So that's not have the juice like it used to have putting out an album, mm -mm. right? It, don't mean, it really don't mean nothing, bro. Music is so disposable, you know what I'm saying? When Master Ace made disposable arts, he hit it right in the nose. Music is a disposable art. And unfortunately, there's more artists than fans. Because now the fans think they're rappers. You know what I'm saying? And beat makers and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I was, I was talking to Planet Asia about this before, man. And he was, he was saying, like, yo, back in the day, rappers were superheroes. Like, everybody yeah. Yeah. rap. Like, that wasn't, that was a specialty. It wasn't like... Now, if you say you rap, like somebody be like, "Oh, my cousin raps. I rap. You know what I mean? We all rap. You know what I mean?" <laughs> right. Everybody's right. So and, uh, and and yeah, you know, and I mean, the music game is. I mean, hip hop and this stuff. I mean, first of all, let me just back up. I love your videos, dude. Like, you be killing me. I be you know, <laughs> yeah, I be driving sometimes, and I be at a red light, and I watch Woody and shit, and I be laughing like, yo, this my man is crazy, but on point. You know what I'm saying? Like, there there was something you said about old school rappers. Like, I forgot what it was. It was up the lines of you know with them what we what we talking about right now. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Post, that's why your post resonated with me. Stop fucking crying. <laughs> Like, 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 look, yeah. your your peers right now. Just to talk about right. your, your peers, some legendary cats, right? And they're still acting like it's '88, and like people are supposed to give a fuck about '88. Nobody cares. Like, nobody you cares. are not lying, bro. We, we care, but that's not gonna put your put food on your table now. It's not. No. I, we care from a mm -hmm. budget perspective. Like, I'll post. I'll post. Uh, you know fucking MC Shan or some shit from back, but like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, again, fuck with who fucks with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and it's funny you bring up MC Shan, like, a lot of people call Shan crazy, but Shan speaks a lot of real shit. You just gotta pay attention. Mm -hmm. And I know Shan, me and Shan knew each other well over 30 years, you know what I'm saying? That's my big bro. And there was some shit he said yesterday. I sent it to a whole bunch of people like, yo, this shit he's saying right here. He like, yo, ain't none of these motherfuckers your friends. He like, they don't give a fuck. I was like, and I've been told that so many times by my man Boogie the Hitmaker. Like, yo, dude, you know none of these dudes don't give a flying fuck about what you're doing. They just want to get what's theirs. And that's that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, it, it's funny because without mentioning names, some some of these dudes is delusional. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I be I be like I'm I'm a realistic person, right? Back in back in the nineties, you know what I'm saying? I was getting like twenty five thousand a beat, you know, thirty thousand. I did my biggest payday was heavy D. I did a remix that never came out. It never came out. I got like thirty grand for it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But now I know I know producers now, they're not getting the same for them beats. They're not. You know what I'm saying? It's just the economics of music. You know what I'm saying? Right. So yeah. it's it's all about being realistic. Yo, you know great point because um I mean Elder Sensei says it all the time. He's talking about doing features and stuff. And he was like mm -hmm. he was like these cats out here, like his his contemporaries, right? Are like charging like twenty racks for a feature or some shit. <laughs> and when he's he's charging less, 
and getting more features and he's staying working and he's he's working with newer cats and staying relevant and fresh and building a younger fan base at, at age right 50, you know 50, not even kill me if he's 50, 50 he's like 52 51. <laughs> so um, but you know what i'm saying like but yeah these cats no yo listen back in back in 06 i had a gang of beats laying around i mean dude i don't fuck with everything from fruity loops to mpc to asr 10 I done used it all I done, on Fruity Loops because, you know, Fruity Loops was just getting popular back then. Right, right, right. I swear to you, to this day, I probably got like 2,000 beats on Fruity Loops. I'm not bullshitting. So I had all these beats laying around. One night I said, because kids would hit me up, y'all wish I could afford you. And my question to them was always, what makes you think you can't afford me? Oh, well, you Domingo this and I said, yeah, but that shouldn't make you think you can't afford me. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So I was, I was like, I'm going to do an experiment. I made one of them little, you know, the MP3 players, and I put on uh, MySpace. I put these beats are for sale, 150, 250, 350, whatever. Left it there. The next morning, I woke up with five grand in PayPal. So I was like, okay, I'm on to something. I did it again, 3,500. I said, okay, I'm really on to something. So I really sped it up. Now, mind you. Peter's in the game, without mentioning names, talking a lot of shit. I had, I had a producer's manager call me, right? Producer, I think it was Kimberly from 90 Day Fiance, my homie. She just walked in the room. You know what I'm saying? I'm tied into 90 Day Fiance, by the way. We'll get into that. So <laughs> I'm everywhere, bro. I'm yes. everywhere. So, 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 um, so anyway, um, this producer's manager called me. I said, hey, can you stop doing what you're doing? Because I can't sell his beats. I said, yo, all fair and love and war. I said, because I'm not stopping my money. If, you know, people are telling you that, then, you know, and I know there was a lot of peers in the game that wasn't happy with what I was doing. I've, I've heard it. There was people on um, undergroundhiphop.com. Oh, he's broke. He's this. He's that. I swear to you. I'm laughing at it because I'm far from broke. But I'm like, yo, I'm just experimenting. Let me check it out. So it was from 2006 to 2009, I had stopped because my mom's passed away out of nowhere. And so I got depressed, whatever, and I just stopped. But I made $450,000. Right? Me and Rock Wilder were the only two selling beats online. He had rock beats. I had beats for tunes, and we were the only two at the time. Everybody thought I was crazy. I don't. I don't know what they said about rock, but then those same peers calling me. Yo, how, how was you doing this? Jellybean Benitez. I don't know if you know who that is. You're a club dude. You know who Jellybean is. So, so he's the one that found Madonna. A lot of people are, and he's a very good friend of mine. He contacted me and said, "Yo, how are you doing?" Doing this because I want to do it for dance music. A Batson, the owner of Beat Stars, gave me a, a distribution deal with Ingrooves um, Universal during that time. It's a true story. That's why I'm gonna speak it out. And Abe knows it's not bullshit. Abe called me and said, "Yo, I want to pick your brain for like an hour." She said, "I'm gonna launch this business called Beat Stars." What do you think? I said, it's a dope idea. Go for it. I'm not greedy, bro. There was a field out there. I made my money. I wasn't worried about it. I was secured. So 
Beat Stars was born. I consult them, say you should do this, 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 and this. Make sure they can do this. And Beat, well, I, let me not say that. I wasn't the only one consulting, but I was one of the people. And Beat Stars was born. And now look where they at. He's on the Forbes list. So because of my little, let me test the waters selling beats, the beat selling game online was born. And it was only me and Rock. Wow. But oh, now my point, of tell, my point of telling you this is, what you just said about Elder Sensei, that's why I smile. While all these rappers and artists are chasing that 10 grand for that next beat, I was already past 10 grand. Right. It might have took it might have took 10 beats to do it, but I had thousands of beats. I didn't give a shit. Right. Really? But 450,000 later, right. tell me I'm bugging. Right. <laughs> it's about the, about, now it's about the volume. And it's, it's like, yeah. it's, uh, you're not going to get that. You know, the whole shit is different. There's no A&Rs. There's no, there's no budget for shit. Like, so you got to, you have to switch your mindset and so forth. Salute to you being an, an older head. And there's, there's very few of you guys that are, have really adapted to the way shit is now and understood. Yo, I got yeah. how I move, man. Like, shit, it ain't the same. Yeah. No, you got to move with the way everything's going, technology, all of that. I'm a geek. I'm a tech geek. So it's like when I see new shit, I'll be like, yo, let me try that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and you know, so so it's like the game, the game is just so changed right now, you know? And I don't I don't knock nobody for getting their hustle on with whatever they're doing to get money in the game. But it's like a lot of things are oversaturated. You know what I'm saying? So me personally, I've always found my own lane and kept it moving. You, like I was just telling somebody today, you ain't catching me. I was talking with Carlos Berrios, who's a legendary freestyle music producer. We were talking yesterday, and me and him was just laughing because I said, yo, you won't find me at none of these hip-hop functions. You ain't finding me there because I don't rub elbows with hypocrites, and I just do my thing. You know what I'm saying? I've always found my own lane and kept it moving regardless. And it was the beat game, then the distribution game. It's like, yo... And a lot of producers, no disrespect to them, they're producing. That's all they're doing. Mm. So, right. so what happens after nobody's knocking on your door? What you going to do? I mean, we could all sit on Instagram all day and show our sneakers. Yeah, we, we could all sit on Instagram. <laughs> do that shit. And I'm looking at these legendary cats like, you're complaining? Hold on. You're complaining that nobody's fucking with you. And I see you getting up smoking aisles and you're just showing you're, you're drinking honey and you're showing all that fucking shit you know what i'm saying like yeah yeah so that, yeah. that's a you know that's a, that's a epidemic with a lot of that shit but i think a lot yeah. of you guys got spoiled man you know what i'm saying and it was that you guys didn't really have to do a lot of work back as much work back in the day if you're on your own you know yeah. what i mean like yeah so now it's like the, 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 the niggas that was always going grind were going grind back it back then and they're gonna grind now yeah the other cats yep. are like, oh, you mean I gotta like, you know, I gotta, I gotta get an Instagram and do my own promo, <laughs> my own shit. Yes. And they don't know what they're doing, and they don't know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? There's artists right now that I know they don't run their own Instagram, and I be telling people like, yo, if you hit the man, that's not them. You know what I'm saying? And it's crazy because to me that's laziness. You know, you gotta interact right now. The best way for artists, you got to interact with your fans. You got you to gotta conversate with them. Because if, if you can become... See, with me, there's people that hit me on, on Instagram and I answer them back. 
And a lot of them be like, yo, man, appreciate you even answering me. I'm like, yo, dude, first of all, I come from where you come from. I don't ever forget that. You know, we all we all from the same soil. I don't care if I'm from Brooklyn and you from Pakistan. All the soil is on the earth. It's the same fucking soil. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I answer anybody. And it bugs me out when I be getting messages from Pakistan, from Russia. And I just found out I'm popular in China on TikTok, my music. I just found out yesterday. I'm like, yeah, this election bugged out to me. You know what I'm saying? But if you interact with people, they appreciate it, bro. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of artists feel like I don't have to answer them. Yes, you do. If you want to keep a fan, you better answer them. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 like, I don't know. Use this shit to your advantage, man. It's not just for bullshitting around. Like You can really do... Everything that's been dope for me in the past eight years has been because of Instagram. So it's like as far as opportunities and shit like that, use it. Like use it. Like go live. Like I tell people, I tell artists, I'm like, yo, just if you're going, you don't even have to talk. Just go to if you're going to the store to pick up a new mic or you pick up a piece of equipment, unbox that shit and show it. Right. Like you know, right. after like you know. So, but you know, it's 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 important, man. I'm glad we're talking about it because it's like. Our generation or just older heads are getting left behind with a lot of this shit. You know what I'm right. saying? And it's like the refusal to like to 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 rock with it. You know? So, but yeah. so. yep. I want to go back to the beginning. I mean, we started. I, I I just really that that shit hit me. I was I was charging my phone. <laughs> oh, we talking about this? But um, <laughs> so let's go back though. Let's go back to um to East New York, man. I mean, as far as like you growing up there. I mean, it's a rough area. And with a yep. lot of heavy hitters in our in our culture have come out of that out of that area. So like what was your East New York experience growing up and, and as far as like really you getting into the and this when did you get into the, the beats and everything, the production? You were rapping at, at one point, right? Yeah. yeah, that's what I got signed for. Right. Um I, I um my uncle got me into music like in the seventies, you know. Um and he used to DJ in the basement of my house on Shepherd Ave in East New York. And I would go downstairs and watch him DJ play drums. And then he would DJ this lounge called the Arlington, which was in East New York, a couple blocks away. And I would go with him. I was like maybe eight years old. And 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 I would go with him and just, I was fascinated. But see, there was no scratching back then. Not yet. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't prominent where you knew about it. But I remember when he played King Tim the Third, and then... He played Rapper's Delight. Rapper's Delight sealed the deal for me. Like, I was like, yo, this is, what is this, you know? So I started dabbling in music, like listening, trying to figure out how do I, how can I do this? You know, how can I be what these people are? And then um, I um, I started writing little raps and shit. And then I was like, I, I got to record a song. I mean, I, I got these. So my grandmother bought me a four track. My mom was like, you ain't, ain't buying that shit for you. But my grandmother was like, I got you. We went to Sam Ash in Queens, bought it, came home. And then I sat with it like, okay, I got to figure this out. Did it. And then my friends, you know, I would go outside, hang with my friend James Jr. And all that. And then go, I would, I, you know, I disappeared the whole summer. Like my friends thought I went away. I was in my house the whole summer. Did not come out at all. And just kept recording, kept about, recording, kept how, recording. How old were you around this time? Oh, around that, that time, I was, I had to be like 15. Okay. Like 15, six, almost 16. All right. And All right. so then, 
there was a night I was uh, 16 going on 17 and I was hanging down the block in my friend Junior's house. We were drinking a 40 and Marley came on the air on BLS and he was like, I'm looking for the next um, rapper to put on my In Control Volume 2 album. And my friend Junior just looked at me. He's like, yo, that's you. And I was a shy kid. I was like, nah, ain't me. That's not me. You know what I'm saying? So um, he's, he goes in his house. He comes out with his pop's key. He had no driver's license. He was like, yo, come on. I said, where are we going? He said, you're going to BLS. I'm taking you. And I was like, nah, nah. He said, get in the car, man. And we got in the car, 16 years old. Drove up to BLS on 42nd and 2nd Avenue. And and um, I'm standing off to the side of the entrance. There's mad people outside. And Marley comes out. And Marley's talking with them. And he's walking away, leaving. And I'm leaning against a car. My friend Judy's like, yo, what? give him, talk to him. So I've told this before. So I compare it to the Mean Joe Green commercial with the kid with the little coat that taps him on the back. So Molly walked past me, and then I tapped him on, on the shoulder. And I said, he said, he said, what's up, shorty? And I said, hey, what's up? I had my head down all like this shit. And shy. I was like, my name is Domingo. Here's my, here's my demo tape. And, yo, if you like it, my phone number's on there. And, yo, it's a pleasure meeting you. And he's talking to me. He's like, oh, no doubt, shorty, where you from? I said, East New York, Brooklyn. He's like, oh, shit, no doubt. And then LL Cool J pulls up. And I was a big LL Cool J fan. So I'm standing there like, oh, shit. LL gets out, come up to Marley. He's like, you everything good? Marley's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm talking with Shorty over here. And he's like, ah, right, no doubt. And then they left. So I left. So about, let's say about a week later, I'm down the block. We're playing, I don't know, we're playing with football or football, whatever we were playing. And my grandmother yells down the block, you got a phone call. So I go up the block to my house get on the phone, and it's a lady, Francesca Sparrow, and she's like, um, are you Domingo that gave Molly Molly your tape, whatever? And I said, yeah. I'm thinking it's when my friend's fucking around. She's like, yeah, you know, um, can you come down to Lafayette Street to the, to this office, whatever? I'm like, yeah, right. She's like, no, seriously, like, can you come down today? And I said, yeah. I said, get the fuck out of here. This, this gotta be one of my friends. And she's like, no, here's the address. So I asked my grandmother, give me train fare, whatever. I jump on the train. I probably jumped the turnstile, to be honest with you. So so I get on the train. I go down there, and I walk in the office. It's Vito Bruno, who's Scott, who's uh, Sal Abatello's partner in Fever, and Francesca Spiro. So I walk in. It's a little Italian lady, and she's like, so you're the Puerto Rican kid Molly, Molly's screaming about. I was like, yeah, right. And she's like, no, seriously, like, Molly loved your tape. And I'm still like, yeah, right. And she's like, okay, hold on. And she calls Molly. And Molly's like, yo, yo, bro, I need you, volume two. That shit, it was a song called Untouchable. He's like, yo, that Untouchable shit, that's that shit. I need you on the album. And I said, I bet. I said, yeah, I appreciate that. And Fran, I mean, there's no bullshit. Fran gave me the contract right in front, right there. I signed that shit. I didn't give a fuck what it said, whatever. I just, I knew, I knew, like, I didn't know no better. You know what I'm saying? I was just excited, like, boom. And then she gave me a check for $1,500. You know 
So I was like, you know, you 16, 15 years old, I was rich. <laughs> especially back then and especially being where you yeah. were, you was yeah. son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so um so I jump I jump on the train, go back home, I give my grandmother the check, the deposit. I didn't have no bank account. So we do we go in the studio in Queensbridge, in a studio that was in a bodega in Queensbridge. And no, my bad. We went to Power Play. My bad. We went to Power Play Studios and redid the song. Like I, first of all, I did all my beats, all my demos, and everybody knows Marley never taught me how to do a beat. I came up under Marley, but he never taught me. I taught myself. So all my beats was done. So and, and during the process, I would give Marley demo tapes every other week because I'm like, yo, I'm with Marley. Marley, I gotta, you know what I'm saying? And it's funny because G Rap. A few years back, I've had G-Rap laughing because I said, yo, you really don't remember when I was around? I was, I was a little skinny Puerto Rican kid. One day you said to me, what the fuck is a Domingo? And I said to you, what the fuck is a Nathaniel? And he was like, no, nah, I don't remember that shit. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. So anyway, so I would get Molly the tapes. And Molly would be like, yo, these beats is crazy. Never said nothing about the rappers. So I paid attention to that. And I'm like, damn. So my contract expires. The song is not on In Control Volume 2. Because the, the, the album's about to come out, and I, I wasn't told it was on. So I called Molly, and I'm like, hey, yo, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. And it was a pleasure. And, yo, to me, you're one of the greatest. And I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. And he's like, what you talking about? I said, my contract expired. He said, nah, man, you coming over the house of hits, bro. I need you on the team, the production team. He said, yo, your beats are crazy. And that's how I got down with Wally. And, 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 and is that pretty much what, like, forced, I won't say forced you, but pushed you into primarily being producer? Yeah. That's what, because, be, nah, thank you. And, and the crazy thing is, like I said, he never said nothing about the rappers, so I started catching on. Like, yo, he's not saying, yo, let's go in and do this song. But then he put me in the studio in Queensbridge and my man Paul was a bodega. He's like, yo, I got this artist, Big Money Wiz. Big Money Wiz is on In Control Volume 2. He's like, yo, I want you to jump in the studio with, with um, Big Money Wiz and do a couple of songs. And I did them. I did this song called Drop the Bomb and another one in Paul's studio in Queensbridge. The crazy thing is, coming from East New York, I was always in Queens. I never, me personally, I'm like, yeah, I'm always in Queens. You know, so um, then I worked with Killer Kids that was down with Molly, and they were from Queensbridge. And um, and uh, whatchamacallit, so Molly had me doing those type of demos with these artists. And then I was in the studio. I was in the studio with um, with um, Molly when he did Mama Said Knock You Out, the album. Like, I was sporadically with him. And there's a whole debate out there about... Molly stealing the beat for Jingling Baby and all of that. And I was with Molly and Chun King when he made the beat. So when they pulled me in on Facebook about, yo, what do you know about Molly stealing? I've never seen Molly steal a beat. Never. And especially he never stole nothing from me. You know what I'm saying? And 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 yeah, have I helped Molly with stuff? Yeah. But I'm not out here going, oh, I did this, I did that. No. If Molly needed a sample, Molly would call me. Like Arrest the President remix. When you hear the, the beat switch up, that's the sample I gave Molly. Molly called me and was like, yo, 
you still got Cliff Nobles, the horse, the 45? I said, yeah. He said, jump in the cab and meet me at Chung King. And I met him at Chung King, gave him the record. He looped it up. That don't mean I produced it. Yeah. I gave him the record. You know what I'm saying? So I was around for a lot of stuff, bro. And I never bite the hand that feeds me. You know what I'm saying? Because to this day, I could go to Molly's house un un unannounced. Like, just show up. Like, yo, what up? You know what I'm saying? And that's the relationship I got with Molly. But from there, Molly went over to uh, Rush Producer Management and took me with him. So now I was managed by Russell Simmons and Francesca Spiro because they partnered up. And, you know, Lior and all of them were around, but I never interacted with Lior. I interacted with Russell a couple times, but mainly Francesca. So now I was with Large Professor, Diamond D, you know, all the – like, Large Professor is one of my biggest influences. Breaking Adams was my go-to album. If I needed, like, that inspiration for that hard, funky shit, I would go to Breaking Adams and just vibe off of it to get that vibe. So I was under that roof for many years, from ninety, from ninety one, maybe to ninety eight. You know what I'm saying? So from there, I met Main One. Uh, he was on Select Records, and he was doing an album called Birth of the Ghetto Child. And I did some songs on there, and I did one song called Grand Combo, where it was Joe Fatal, Fat Joe, Prince Powerful, Curious. And um, main one. So for me, I met Fat Joe. And Fat Joe told me in that studio session, yo, I'm working on my next album, Jealous One's Envy. I want you on it. And he said to me, his real shit, he said to me, he was like, I'm going to bring you in the game with that album and you're going to piggyback right off of me and just fly. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I did that session. I mean, I did that album with Joe and during that album. I mean, my whole shit is like a domino effect, bro. I did that album. I met KRS-One. That's where the beat for the MC. During doing that album, I gave Pun the beat tape that had Dream Shatterer. You know what I'm saying? So Dream Shatterer, Pun had that beat for a very long time, like at least four years. So from there, I met KRS. KRS picked the beat for the MC. He passed that same tape to Channel Live. Channel Live picked like four beats off that. From there, I went to Jack. Yeah, yo, this is like this straight boom, 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 boom. Like, how did you, how the fuck did you end up just doing like bounce like you know working with basically everybody in the shit? And and, and this is this is the story. So nah, I'm, I'm, but here, but yeah, but here's the crazy shit, right? So before main one, my mom's had got me a job at the board of Ed because even though I was working with Molly, I wasn't making that real money yet. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, Giuliani became mayor and I was one of the first people to get laid off. The next day, no bullshit. This, actually, this is after main one, my bad. The next day, I got a phone call from Francesca. She's like, she's like, yo, Rakim picked three beats of yours. They're going to pay you $30,000. You got to go in the studio with Rakim next week. So I went from being laid off to 30 grand <laughs> like the next day. You know what I'm saying? So yep. then, then, yeah, so then, like I said, let me get back to, so after Fat Joe and KRS, I go down to the Gavin convention, I think it was, or Jack the Rapper, one of them, and I meet a gentleman, Kevin Mitchell, comes up to me, and he's like, he said, yo, are you Domingo? And I said, yeah. He's like, yo, um, Shaquille O'Neal heard the stuff you did for Fat Joe, 
and he wants you to come to his birthday party in D.C. He wants to meet you. Yo, B, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. You know what I'm saying? There's no way. So he's like, yeah. He's like, bro, I'll get you flights. I'm, no, I'm sorry. He's like, I'll get you bus tickets. And um, actually, my engineer, Cuss, was in here. If he's still in here, he could tell you this is a very true story. So I call Cuss. I say, yo, we're going to D.C. next weekend. He's like, for what? We're going to meet Shaq at his birthday party. He goes, get the fuck out of here. I'm like, I was telling you, I'm in Georgia. They came up to me. And so, boom, the following week, I'm in D.C. at Shaq's birthday party. So I'm in the balcony with Mike Tyson. And Mike is, from, Mike is from Brownsville, but, you know, I'm screaming East New York in his ear all fucking day. So they, we go downstairs. I'm walking towards Shaq, and all these security guards grab me. Like, yeah, yeah, where you going? Like, yo, little dude, where, where you going? So I look at Shaq, and I'm like, hey, yo, Domingo. And he's like, hey, yo, let him through. Let me through. And he's like, hey, yo, when can you come to my house? And I'm just staring at him like, are you serious? He's like, when can you come to my house? <laughs> Whenever. The next week, I'm on Delta Airlines to his house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So what? I'm working with Shaq. I'm, yo, that's serious. I'm working with Shaq. And then this is, I think it's 96 or 97, if I remember. But I had just got done doing Hurricane G's album for Jelly Bean on Ola, so I produced that whole album. So now I'm working with Shaq, I meet Peter Guns and Lord Tariq, I never knew them. Met him in Shaq's house. And and um, I, I wound up doing a song on their album with the with the Uptown Anthem, that, that album, but it never came out because of the sample. So I wound up working with them. So now, after Shaq, I go back to New York and I fly out to LA to work with KRS again. And I, I could be mixing up the timeline, but I finish up with Channel Live. I go go work with KRS again. Now, Pun is working on Capital Punishment. And truth be told, because I ain't got no problem saying it, the original version or the version that was around was a that was leaked out was Buck Wild did the original where um, Puffy paid Barry White not to clear the sample because he used a sample for Black Rob. The um, I forget the name of the Black Rob song. So Pun calls me and is like, "Yo, where are you?" I said, "I'm I'm in Brooklyn." He's like, "Yo, I'm in Access Studios. Can you come up here?" I said, "Yeah, sure." So I go up there and he's like, "Yo, I got a problem. I got this song, Dream Shatterer. I have a feeling your beat works to it. Do me a favor, grab the dat." Go home. Don't stay here and do it. Go home. Do what you got to do. Let me know. The crazy shit is, I don't know if Pun ever wrote Dream Shadow to that beat, to my beat, because when I put the beat to the vocals, it matched perfectly. The drops, all those drops you hear in there were already there. Like, he just, it just matched. Yeah, there goes Black Rob, I dare you. My man AG, I thanks. So, the drops and everything was in place. And then, Hun loved it, and we he redid he redid the vocals in one take. Everybody want to argue that with me, like nah, Pun never did that. I'm telling you, he did the shit in one take. We went to cutting room. My man Nasty can verify that shit. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, so now we did we did capital punishment, 
I mean, I'm sorry, we did Dream Shatterer. And then um, after Pun, yeah, I don't even remember a lot of this shit. After Pun, I went back to it with KRS again. I worked, I did a lot of stuff with KRS, a lot. So, so when it was time to mix Capital, I mean, damn, I keep saying Capital Punch and Dream Shatterer, a lot of people don't know, and again, I'm not sure if Cuss is still in here, but if you knew Pun when he rapped, he took these deep breaths that it almost is no disrespect to him. It almost sometimes sounds like a pig snorting. You know what I'm saying? Like it was that deep, like his throat would rattle. So it was constantly throughout Dream Shatterer. So what we did was we took the reel to reel and I slowed it completely down to where it's like, like that. And we sat there for like four hours, muting out every single breath. That's why Dream Shatterer sounds flawless. But if we went back to the mix and unlocked it, you hear all his breaths in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. So it, a lot of people don't know that. But I learned all these tricks from who? Molly Maul. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to give you something you can check out because I know you about the culture. and you about. Have you ever listened to Jingling Baby really close? And this is for whoever watching. I, do lo I love that song, but I probably mean listen as close as you about if you, listen, if you listen really close, mm -hmm. you hear the metronome bleeping in the record during the hook. It's like blip, blip, blip. And then what people don't know is LL was rapping off beat and Marley had these techniques and I learned this from Marley. And I did it with Dream Shatterer. He pulls everybody's vocals back. So back then we didn't have Pro Tools. So you had to do all these tricks in the songs and we had to do that with, with Pun. Because there was points where Pun was a little bit ahead of the beat, pulled it back. Like, a lot of people don't know that because the consumer hears the final product. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. So, I, Dream Shatter was, was a dope song to mix. And, and here's the crazy shit. We was in the, I believe it was the eighth floor of Unique Studios. No, no, it was, a, the lobby was in seven. We was on nine. I went downstairs to the lobby, and I had this shit so loud. It was rumbling in the fucking elevator shaft. And you could feel it down in the lobby. And when I got back upstairs, there's these speakers called Tannoy Golds. And one of them caught fire, like through the, through the cone. It just shot sparks. And I looked at my engineer cussing. I was like, this shit is dope. This is dope. This shit just blew a fucking speaker. And he looked at me and was like, you're fucking paying for that speaker, bro. I'm not paying for it. Because <laughs> the, like, the speaker was like $1,000, bro. So so I blew the shit out with Dream Shadow. So that's why that, that song to me is so epic because I remember the whole process, the whole, you know, thing. And then um when we did the MC, well, yep, yep, there we go. See there goes cuz we was gonna be in trouble. <laughs> so the MC, we did that in battery studios, me and KRS. And I also did Temple Tactics that same day. But Temple Tactics came out with Fat Beats or something like that. And then, man, this, this, I mean, I can keep going, bro. I'll, I'll stop, though. So, so, this is fucked up. So, it's, we're already at 9, almost 9.45. I got another show at 10 o'clock. I got to ask you, because I got mad shit. Can, can, we, can, we do enough, can we do a part two it's like soon? Yeah. All, right. All day, bro. Because it's, day. I got to, I mean, it's the media famous. You know, there's mad shit. And so, um, but this is like critical right here. So, I don't even know where I want to go for, with the rest of this. All right. 
Yo, you tell me you want you want to get into the you want to get into the teaching or you want to get into the media famous for the last last laugh of it. No, nah, I'll get into the teaching. You know what I'm saying? So that why? I said, yeah, I want to talk. I, I wanted to get into that because that was that's a big thing. So so last summer, I was contracted by a, a, a program called Music Ascension. My man Pete Calvert, and he said, I think you fit in with this program I have in West Orange, New Jersey. He said, listen, these kids are not easy. They're all bloods and crips. These are the real deal. But I think you fit in. And I thought about it. I said, right. He said, why don't you come down, meet the director, sit down, see what you can do. So I went there, met the director, and, and I told the director, I said, your problem is, I said, I, I understand these kids. I come from the street that they come from. You know, I, I come from Brooklyn. They come from Newark and Elizabeth. But I understand, you know. I said, but what you need to do is I want to give them a sense of accomplishment. I want to make them feel like they can be successful. Because if I could save one kid, then mission accomplished. You know what I'm saying? So she was like, oh, my God, I love it. Do you want to just come for the summer? So I was like, all right, cool. So I, I stepped in there last July. It was a little rough, I'm not lie. So the kids, you know, one kid came up to me, like, straight in my face when I got it. Who the fuck are you, bro? Who the fuck are you? I said, yo, I saw your new teacher. And he was like, I'm saying, like, well, who the fuck are you? And I said, I said, my name is Domingo. And he was like, oh, all right, cool, bro. Yo, my name is, uh, I forget his name, but he's like, Josiah, that's his name. My name is Josiah, bro. And you the new music teacher? I'm like, yeah. He goes, yo, that's what's up. Boom, that happened. Then we went to classes. The kids are meeting me, and they all some are receptive, some aren't. So then, everything went smooth. So the summer's ending, and I'm talking to the dude Pete, and I'm like, "Yo, so when did your semester start?" He goes, "What semester?" I said, "You know, the new semester in September. When does it start? When do you come back?" He goes, "Well, I was hoping you'd do it." He goes, "He said, Domingo, these kids love you, bro. You are what they need." And I was like, ah. I said, all right, fuck it, I'll do it. And then, like, uh, next week is our last week. And yes, no, not yesterday, um, two days ago. No, yesterday, my bad. Um, the kids graduated that I had, students that I had graduated. Public school? No, this school is called FedCat. It's for kids that the public school does not want. They're that bad. Like, bro, these are real deal bloods and crips. Huh? What's the age? Middle school or high school? Both. Okay. It's both. Yeah. So the thing is, they keep them in groups and they can't mix, obviously can't mix Bloods and Crips. You know what I'm saying? They've accidentally done it once or twice. And I'd be like, I don't think this is a good idea. But the crazy thing is, I'm their, I'm their getaway. You know what I'm saying? So like when um, there was one of the kids was actually in here a few minutes ago. Tomorrow, he thinks I didn't see him, but he was in here saying, I love NBA young boy. I seen his bullshit comment. That's my little dude. His name is Nasir. He's very talented. But one of his friends just got killed last week. And he wanted to come in the studio and, and you know, get down and just get on the mic. And that's what I do. I make getaway. You know what I'm saying? So, so um, again, the semester ends next week. 
I'm not there this summer. They chose not to do the program this summer, which is cool. I had the experience. It's cool. Uh, I'm unsure if I'm coming back next semester. Nobody's talked to me about it. But it was an experience. And like I said, if I gave any one of them kids a sense of hope yeah. and all that, and then I called on Teray, you know, I know you've probably seen me post it. My man Teray, you know, it's a good friend of mine, and he's the president of the Recording Academy, you know, the Grammy Academy. And I'm also a member of that. So I called him and I said, yo, I need somebody to speak to these kids at graduation. And he was like, bet, let's do it. And so he came through. Now, here's, just to add to this, some funny shit. Today I get a call from somebody. Say, yo, DMC said next year he'll do it. And I was like, I didn't even think of DMC. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. But it, it, it's a good it's a good experience. And, and yeah, it is an alternative school. I see somebody saying that. But, um, I mean, I wish the kids the best because when the summer comes, it's wild out there, bro. And and some of them, some of them I got through to. Like one of them is going for their CDL license when they get out. Another one works at UPS. So change, man. I'm just trying to change. If I could, if I could, I fuck the hip hop music. If I could save one of them kids, that's that's better for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's it's, much, it's always bigger than the music. And I tell people it's it's, it's however we reach people. It's like yeah, the music is just a vehicle, but like it's in the end, it's about it's about other shit, man. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, bro. Yeah. So that's so you don't know if they're continuing the program. Is it no, no, something they, that was they, 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 Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, eighty percent think they might, but I don't keep my hopes high. And if they don't, it's all love. You know what I'm saying? Would you, if would it's you, all love. Would then what? Would you continue to do it? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. Because because bro, there's there's too many artists out there that these kids follow that push negativity. Yeah. So and I'll sit there and, and if you know Tamar was still in the room, he'd tell you. He'll put on one of them kids from Newark with the guns. I shut that shit off. Like, shut that shit off. And I'd be like, yo, dude, these kids, like, yo, stop looking at these kids holding these guns. I say, cause guess what? The feds is looking at them. These kids are stupid. And and you know, then matter of fact, there's one kid, Marquise, right? Yo, he would listen to the drill, the you know, the Newark drill music, right? And he, one day I said, yo, let me play you something. Let me play you something. My man Dion Dupree from Grand Mode, yep, he does the same that I do. So I told Marquise, listen, I do on Rakim. What you think his first response was? I don't know. It could be, it's either, either one extreme, what the fuck is this shit? Or like, damn, this blew me away. Like, he said, get this old nigga out of here. <laughs> But here's the crazy shit. I said, no, 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 no. Because I told him I ain't no joke, right? I said, no, nah, hold on. Check this out. And the minute the beat for Microphone Fiend dropped, he was like this. He said, yo, who this dude again? I said, rock him. He said, yo, I like this shit. I said, you see what I'm saying? I said, this is that old dude 
that you just said, shut that old nigga off. I said, but, I said, notice, he ain't talking about no guns. He, I said, you bopping your head. So for the next, this is like, uh, this might be like March of this year. So for the next few times, because I was only there three days a week. So for the next couple weeks, he was like, yo, yo, play that Rock Kim dude again. And I would play it. So he grabbed it. So I was like, okay, cool. One changed, I'm good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and he he, he grad no no he didn't graduate he's on to the twelfth grade, but he passed. The crazy thing is, bro, in my class, all the students passed, all of them. They all did their work. You know what I'm saying? Yo, they would go to like art class. Yo, I want to go to Domingo's class. They come to me like they come lying. Yo, the director said I can come. Nah, B, you can't come in here. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, bro! I let them know, you know, because they would make me laugh because it made me feel, it made me feel good. They wanted to be around me twenty four seven, you know. What I'm saying? And mind you, none of them knew who I was. None of them. One that kid that came up to me the first time, Jazir, he stumbled across me on Instagram, and he came in the room one day and said, "You're famous," and I said, "No, I'm not." He goes, "You got a blue check," and I was like, "Dude." The blue check don't mean nothing. He's like, nah, B, you got a blue check. You're famous. And, yo, he went running out the room, down the hall. Yo, Domingo's famous. We got a famous guy. I'm like, aye, 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 bro. He was the only one. But I would never, I never, the reason why I never did that, because I don't want to make them kids feel like I was better than them. You know what I'm saying? I sat with them one-on-one, -on -one, and believe it or not, some of them I would talk to just like therapy. Like, fuck the music. Like, what's going on in your life? Like, bro, there was one kid, and, and I know you got to go soon. There was one kid, 12 years old. This real some real shit, bro. He had a shirt on that said, the memory of Chris. And I had a little boy on the shirt. And I said, I said, yo, Al, who's the kid on your shirt? He said, my little brother. I said, wow. I said, how old was he when he passed away? He said he was five. I said, okay. I said, what he passed from? He said, I shot him in the head by mistake. And yo, bro, I just froze like, wow. So then I said, did you get in trouble? And he said, nah. He said, what happened was I had a BB gun and I was pointing it out. My mom's took it away, put it in her purse. And I went and snuck to her purse, grabbed it, pointed it out and pulled the trigger. But I didn't know it was my mother's gun. And it was a real gun. Oh! Yo, this is now now yo, this is a kid, twelve years old, bro. And I'm just staring at him and I was like, Oh shit. Now I'm in my head I'm like, This kid needs therapy. He's twelve years old. He's gonna for the rest of his life. You know what I'm saying? So now about two weeks ago, this is the last time I seen him. About two weeks ago, he was in my class doing his work, and one of the questions was if you could do something different in your life, what would you like to do? And he wrote, bring my brother back. And that shit right there, I was like, yo, this kid, this, this kid's going through some real shit, some real shit. And then I sat and spoke with him. I sat with him. I dragged him over privately. And I said, yo, I said, you know, I understand what happened and everything. I said, but Al, you know, some, you know, it's an accident. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, my, and his mom's is a blood. It's like... I'm not judging nobody, fam, but it's time to quit that.
that life if something like that happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is your kid. But he, he, uh, he, whatchamacallit, he's a, he's a real smart kid. And it made me understand him even more. Because he was a, yo, dude, this kid was off the meter, bro. Starting fights and everything. This kid was really off. But then when I finally understood that this is what these kids go through in urban urban America, you know what I'm saying? Especially jurors. So now I sat him down and was like, listen, you know, I started talking to him and then he gave me a hug and he walked out the room and he came back. The next day we had another assignment that said, um, I, I, it was something about if, if there's other two things that you want to do in life, whatever. And again, he said it. He said, bring my brother back and have a little sister. And I said, yo, somebody got to get this kid some therapy for real. So, yeah, these are the kids, you know, they, their lives are, like, all fucked up from urban shit. You know what I'm saying? Damn. So it's, yeah. it's really important that you're doing what you're doing, man. So hopefully they do bring you back and see the, the difference you, you know, that you that you made. So, yeah, unfortunately, we do got to run. But, you you know, we got to do a part two. We so love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. I got you. Cause there's, I got you. There's all kinds of shit I want to get into. So <laughs> uh, your most recent, what's the most recent thing that you got going on? Was that the, the uh, G-Rap project? As far as music, yeah, wise. that was that, yeah. Music wise, um, G Rap's um Last of a Dying Breed yeah. album, I uh, produced I pushed the whole thing with a couple of other producers that helped out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's got some heaters on it, man. So yeah, definitely check Thank that. Out. Like fucking, now tell niggas, man. Like G Rap, like this cat still got it, man. Like it's not about age. Like you should be better at at fifties because you got more stuff to spit on. Like like right. G Rap's a killer. Fuck, fuck the yep. age. But like don't matter like that's g rap man like don't get it twisted yeah, but there's a um don't join nems on here so yeah definitely check that out so yeah we're about to go live uh save the hip-hop culture we got a show called that under the radar we, we we talk about joints that people haven't heard because there's so much dope music out in with the bullshit right you know what i'm saying so um thank you brother we go, yeah I'm, I'm gonna hit you in like couple hours and be like yo let's set that other shit up man because yeah yeah come on let's bro. go i'm with you bro all the way you keep it, doing you bro i love it thing is our, our culture is not really discussed like a lot of this shit isn't talked about that much man so that's why it's important like using social media to talk about these things that because you know our culture is really oral as far as like you know the history and shit gets twisted stories and stuff so i appreciate you clearing a lot of yep. yeah Nah, I'm a true believer in tell your story before somebody else does because there's a lot of corny-ass people writing hip-hop books that shouldn't even be writing them. Yeah, we're going to talk on all that shit. <laughs> I'm going to say thank you, brother. Thank you. Let's go, bro. Rock with us, carrying the culture. We're going to get this up yes, sir. in a few days. And, uh, all right, bro. I'll be in touch. We'll talk again. Thank you, brother. All right, my brother. All right. Peace.